Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Braden here in part two with Doug Balzer. If you haven't listened to last week's, uh, definitely go back and listen just to get in a foundation for deliverance and what that looks like. Uh, in our own lives and some misconceptions that people have. Um, Doug is, is, is an amazing leader in uh, teaching and, and practicing deliverance and bringing that into disciple making. So he's got a new book out called Light Up the Dark, Restoring Healing and Deliverance to Disciple Making. And, and uh, he's, got the re- he's, a, he's the host of the Rekindle podcast. Uh, he's, a, he's a ministry leader. He's, he's done a lot of stuff in his life. But what we're talking about today is the, the connection between sexual sin and deliverance and the demonic. And, uh, and so, Doug, it's so good to have you, and we're excited to dive deep into this. Hey, great to be with you both. Thanks, Doug. So last episode, we, you shared a little bit about some of the research that you did. And I love it. I mean, if you want to hear about this, everybody listening, go back and listen to part one. And I highly recommend you do because it kind of frames our conversation today as well. So please do that. But break that down, Doug. Um, I know you were mentioning a little bit about some of the findings you had in regards to, you know, pornography, sexual addiction, anything else and deliverance and kind of being demonized. Yeah. So in this, uh, in this study I did for my doctoral work, um, queried 90 there are 46 people, 98 questions on their perception of their deliverance experience. And, and you know, w- one thing I was sur- really surprised with, 47% of the participants indicated a noted increased satisfaction in their sex life. Wow. wow. 7%. 
And so you want this people, you want to. You know, <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. That's kind of the joke, but in, in a sense, it's not, it's not, it's not even a joke. Like, yeah, you'd want it. And at first I was surprised, but then, then as I reflected on that, you know, I asked myself a couple of questions. Is there any part of what God has created that the enemy would not want to put darkness on, to bring it down, to destroy it? You know, I, th- I think a fair answer might be no. Yeah. Another question is, is there any part under, under heaven, all, you know, the, the creation around us, let alone our own lives and relationships, is there any element of our own lives that if Jesus had greater mastery in, the, the boat would not float higher? Of course. And so in the areas of, uh, of sexuality and deliverance, there were some, some really interesting stats. So here's a couple of them. The first category would be a decreased reality. So for instance, what percentage of people experienced reduced dark sexualized dreams? 37%. 37% would have said, I used to have a pattern of having dark sexualized dreams, and that's either reduced or eliminated. Um, 35% noted a reduced felt power of lust. So after their deliverance experience, 35% said, to whatever degree lust used to be at some some elevated places relative to where now it is notably less. And the the last one in this category, 37% of people who walk through this deliverance experience experienced a reduced pornographic viewing pattern in their life. Wow. So that's over a third. So, you know, if, if the question might be, and it may be for this, you know, for this ministry and the podcast that you guys host here, you know, to what extent might um, deliverance be a factor in pornographic habit? Well, if, if to whatever extent my sample, um, group is accurate, you know, it could be a little more than a third potentially. So it's, it's not as if, um, with deliverance, you're just getting rid of things. You're not just delivered from you're delivered to, if you, if you order something from if you order my book from Amazon, uh, (laughs) you're, you're more interested in it being delivered to you. So that might be a good frame for people to switch. Deliverance isn't so much about, it's not primarily about getting the critters gone. They are just a speed bump towards a greater manifestation of the person and presence and truth of Christ in your life. Right. That's the end goal. Right. You know, I've never heard that delivered that you're delivered to, but it makes so much sense and it's so much easier probably to grasp, but also it's, it gives a fuller picture of what's happening. You're not just delivered from something and it's glorifying Jesus. You're, you're delivered to living more out, living in more intimacy with him and the freedom and the peace that he has for you. Um, yeah, so your typical I, deliverance would, would kind of follow these four things. One, demonic spirits need to be identified if present. Like, don't go chasing them if they're not there, right? Right. Or if yeah. the person's not interested, we don't manipulate people. Right. And secondly, if they have grounds, you know, if we've given the enemy a foothold due to bitterness or behavior or whatever, got to get rid of the grounds. And we got to kick him out by name. Right. Jesus did Jesus didn't just do truth encounter. He kicked them out by name. Why do we think we get a pass on that one? And then it's the end game. And this is the funnest part where we welcome Holy Spirit, come, come and, and heal this person. And, and so frequently uh, people have um, a manifestation of an image of Christ or the warmth and love of the father or truth being spoken to them. And, 
you know, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deliverances and 99% of them walk away, not even thinking so much about the demonic, but they are basking in this new presence of Christ in their life. And like that, what, why wouldn't we want that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's this idea or not an idea. It's scripture where, you know, a demon gets kicked out, but if the Holy spirit doesn't come in, they come back seven times stronger. Can you just speak to that? Like, is that reality with Christians? How, like, what does that look like practically? Yeah. Primarily deliverance is for believers. And that's what Jesus is talking about. That if you, if you kick out a demon, but there isn't a strong man there, speaking metaphorically he's using yeah. the, the metaphor of a house to be say the soul of a person and so you, you can really leave people vulnerable if they don't inhabit the presence of christ in, in the early church in the early church and this is this is all in the light of the dark book in one of the chapters the the ministry of healing and deliverance was just ubiquitous all, all over the known world and and it they would say you know everybody quote unquote was doing this mm-hmm. And the idea of, of deliverance as part of a disciple-making journey was pre-baptismal. So it, it, it was a little bit different depending on where you went, you know, Asia Minor versus, you know, North Africa, et cetera. But in general, they viewed the holy waters of baptism as so sacred, they would generally not baptize people until they've gone through deliverance. And then they would view the baptism waters as the kind of like the final cleansing act in the same way that Israel uh, walked through uh, the Red Sea where their enemies were defeated. You know, the, the idea would be to incorporate deliverance experience in the disciple discipling of people so that, again, it's not just the end goal of getting the critters gone, but that the, the, the strong presence of Jesus has the ability to become all that it is meant to be yeah. in our lives. And so, you know, I have a general rule of not doing deliverance on non-believers. But mind you, I've led more people to Christ in the last five years of non-believers who wanted freedom from darkness. Mm, right. And then I had a conversation, well, I can do that, but here's what your part is. You need to come in under, under his lordship. That's cool. And if I had to put a a number on it, like how many demons get kicked out if they're there at the point of conversion, then how many might need to be cleaned out afterwards? I'd say it's probably 80 or 90% easy is is just done at at conversion. Right. Wow. Then there might be a few dust bunnies that need to be swept out. Right. Right. And I think the question as you're sharing some of this thing is someone listening out there, maybe they're battling porn, struggling with an addiction there. Um, what are some ways that um, the enemy can gain a foothold? I mean, there, that's a big question. There's multiple ways. I'm sure you've even mentioned bitterness or some other things. But in the regards, in, this, in the arena of, you know, kind of sexual brokenness and addiction, what are some of the primary ways that you've seen the enemy kind of gain a foothold um, in people's lives in this area? Well, I, I would suspect that you guys would view it similarly in that pornography is primarily uh, an indicator rather than a root issue. It's, it's you know, it's a form of escape. So what are you escaping from? It's the dashboard, but it's not necessarily the broken engine underneath the hood. So, you know, not every person engaged in porn is demonized. I've had my own battles been freed from that behavior in my own life as well. Um, When it comes to sexualized matters in deliverance, there, where could, where, where could the demonic show up? It it, it can certainly show up with persistent sin of any kind. So that, that could be persistent viewing of the porno, of the pornographic world, just like Paul says, "Don't let the sun go down in your anger." 
um, or do not give the enemy a foothold. So persistent agreement with anger, bitterness, you could, I think you could say kind of any form of sinfulness can lead you vulnerable to the enemy. Does that mean if you view porn once on your phone, you're demonized? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. Right. Uh, you know, persistent life of that. Yeah. You're, you're really rolling the dice in the direction you don't want to go. Um, many people who um, really struggle with demonic manifestations sexually have been abused themselves. And I don't know if I would want to make him an absolute statement, but it's, it's really remarkable. The, almost sheer entire number of people that we've come across who are sexually abused. There are predictable manifestations in their own life. And that can be dark dreams. So for instance, I know so many people who in their dreams nightly go through a dark rape ritual every night. And those can be set free really easy because most of them, uh, it, it would appear were abused at a younger age uh, no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. They, they don't need to break any of their own grounds here. Like it, it was done to them. That's where the enemy hijacks a highway that was otherwise created as holy for God. So marriage, sexual union, the enemy is not a creative force. He can't create highways. He can take that, which God meant for good and use it for destructive purposes. And so that kind of sexual abuse could pass along the demonic from the perpetrator to the victim. And that's really easy to get rid of. I mean, I, I can I could tell the story many, many times, but one, one lady, I think her 80 years old or so, um, she came up to me after teaching on this and she said, I have dreams. That's all she said. I have dreams. And I said, how old were you? And she knew what I was asking. Mm-hmm. And I think it was eight years old or something to that effect. And so uh, for her deliverance, she didn't need to confess anything. And I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, in Jesus' name, the evil spirits that entered this lady at that age, you come stand to attention. And your port of entry, it's no longer a secret. It's no longer in the dark. I shine the light of Christ on it. You're disarmed. Get out of her life now. And now, Holy Spirit, come and heal her. And she came back the next day. I'm not not exaggerating that. She came back the next day. And she said, last night, I was not raped in my sleep for the first time since I was, what was it, six or eight years old. Wow. And I can tell that story dozens of times. So to answer your question, there can be that form. Um, there can there can be um, uh, a vulnerability to be uh, a vulnerability to potential demonization through family sin patterns. And and we, we all see this, you know, the let's say the the angry father um, bequeaths an angry son who can bequeath an angry grandson. And so a lot of it's behavioral that leads to a vulnerability to the enemy. And and there may be some highways there too that can travel. Another form of demonization in the area of sexuality is uh, it's related to the abuse one, um, but it's not abuse. It can be consensual sexual behavior. And so if you have one person who is demonized, and I, I would argue that the extent of demonization in believers conservatively would be 75% of some form. Hey, I picked off 46 Christian leaders and look at the result right, we got. Right, yeah. Okay? So you can even have, you know, two, two believers um, who are engaged in premarital or extramarital sexual relations. One of them's demonized. Uh, they're, they're trafficking in the highway of union where Jesus meant the husband and wife to experience a better sex life through monogamous even spiritually together. And so then, then um, the means of freedom 
um, significantly come down to breaking sexual ties. And so what really can work well is meeting with, let's just call him Jerry, and he's had some sexual partners, one or many more, and he wants to break sexual ties for his freedom. Um, and if we've tried to do deliverance, they often won't leave because they've got grounds, right? That's the grounds. And so uh, pray a simple prayer, Jerry, would you invite Holy Spirit to bring any names or faces or memories of people to mind where this needs to be broken? And then Jerry would just say, in Jesus' name, I break sexual ties with Amy, with Lori. Uh, I give people a lot of leeway. You may not know the name, and it's it may be surprising to some how many Christians are when breaking sexual ties have multiple sexual partners. They don't know the names. So I just say that face there or that weekend or that trip. And then I'll often ask, um, you know, don't, don't limit it to, you know, one gender. Is Are there other genders that need to be included here? And there's often confession there too. And so they just simply break the sexual ties and then, then we can command them out. So all these sexual spirits come to attention now, your grounds have been broken, get out. And then we invite the presence of Christ in. That's a big one, man. That's a big one. I mean, if I was setting up a discipling pathway for people, I would just include that as a, well, let's, let's see if there's anything here that can uh, achieve freedom. That is a, a really key thing I find for people. But one, one question that, that people have in breaking ties with different people is what happens moving forward? Some people still have questions around, I still remember that, like I still have those memories with that person. I still know that that happened. Uh, can you just talk about like what happens if somebody prays that prayer and they're like, oh, but I'm still remembering. Like what can they do with those memories? I was at a, uh, my first soul care conference with a friend, Sandy. And part of what we were doing was uh, what you call a full life confession where you simply ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you would want to me to bring into the light? And I won't tell the whole story, but a, a memory came and I shared it with my friend Sandy. And it was of a near sexual encounter when I was 16. Didn't actually act on it. Um, and then, you know, the, the event was over without acting on it. It was this opportunity when I was 16. And then after sharing whatever stories the Holy Spirit brought to mind, the person you're sharing with was then instructed to just declare their freedom. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. And so Sandy said, in Jesus' name, that memory now has the light of Christ upon it. So we disarm it. The enemy can't use it anymore. And no kidding, that day, the power of lust in my life dropped down significantly. Part of it was because I was holding on to a bit of a secret. And if I'm honest, you know, maybe there would be times in my vulnerability and loneliness where I wished I would have acted out when I was 16. Because yeah. I'm certainly not going to feel that kind of freedom now in the role of life that I have now. So part of it is the secret. Part of it is sharing with another person. And lots of people confess, but you know, sometimes we need to tell the stories, not in, not to glorify them, but at a level of detail. So there's, okay, all the darkness is now in the light. That's really helpful too, but it doesn't just stop there. So in the last podcast, I, I told the story about the voice of shame being gone from my life because I commanded it to go and renounce my agreement with it. To be fair to what I said, the power of it went, but that doesn't mean I didn't yet need to renew my mind. For 46 years, I had default behaviors that would submit itself to the lies of shame in my life. I had to begin to learn to think new thoughts according to truth, I had to learn new behavioral responses to people that didn't demonstrate 
that prior pattern. So deliverance is not necessarily all once and done. There is a, like what, after deliverance, what do I do then? Well, keep on being a disciple of Jesus and let him form himself in you. And you have a part in that. You have a behavioral part in that. You have a, a discipline part in that. But to, to come back to your question, there are also times when Jesus dramatically heals people's memory. Uh, we, we were ministering with a group of other people, uh, and there was a, a lady, um, a pastor's wife, who had had some pretty horrific sexual abuse um, as a young person. And every day she would wake up and be reminded of this in her face, the memories of that. Hmm. And some person prayed, my wife tells the story, some person prayed in the group. What my wife would say was a naive prayer. And she said, Jesus, I pray that you take that memory, just it, that it would be gone completely. And my wife tells the story frequently. And she goes, oh, my goodness, like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And then the next morning, the lady stood up in a sharing time. And she said, interesting thing. I woke up this morning and I know that I have the habit of facing a memory, but I can't even remember what it was. Hmm. I can't remember the nature of it. So my wife, Terry goes, Oh, you know, I should have (laughs) had a greater faith in God, but all that to say, you know, the Lord certainly does heal memories completely, but that's just kind of up to him. Um, If, if he does praise God, if he doesn't, that doesn't mean the person's at a a deficit at all. There's a unique pathway for them to learn to uh, follow in his presence and, and in complete freedom. Yeah. And that it's cool that you say that we had a story a month or two ago with one of the guys in our groups. And he was saying that, that he described the abuse that he went through and then he went through deliverance and then he came back. He said, I don't remember what happened. And I mean, I could remind him, I know what what he had shared with me, but he, he's like, "I, I really don't remember. I know something happened. But the other thing that Jesus does sometimes, and I, I always remember this line that you said, Doug, three and a half years ago. You said, if, if, if Jesus is omnipresent, which he is, and you have a dream or a memory that he's not in, then that's an incomplete memory. And I don't know if that's verbatim, but it's something like that. Yeah. So I, I, I share that all the time, but, but that's been so powerful for me and also others where you have a memory of, you know, say sexual abuse, you're, you've been abused and then you, you, you're, you're back in your mind's eye in that room. You're seeing the bed, you're seeing the wall and Jesus is there stroking your hair or holding you. Um, it, it's powerful. Hey, Doug, I'm sure you've seen that a lot. I, I experienced, so I, I heard someone give a, a testimony to that uh, just last month and they had this in their mind, a, a horrific memory of being raped by someone and the image of that person lying on top of her. And so um, I wasn't praying for this person. Somebody else was, but they, they asked Holy spirit to show her where Jesus was in that memory. Mm-hmm. Like and it's even more than an asking it's more declaring Holy spirit come now reveal Christ in this memory. And uh, it, it was pretty profound for her because the memory immediately was Jesus face to face lying on top of her, not raping her, wow. but in between her and her perpetrator wow. and her, her sense of his presence and his care and his love for her was so, so far exceeding that of the horror that that now has become her primary memory of it. 
the memory exactly. instead of the memory. I mean, that, that can be sexualized stuff, but you know, for listeners, you, you could, you could have a, an episode of grief that you're going through or loss or frustration or disappointment. And you can invite his presence into all of those places and, and see what he does. Yeah. I've had that. You know, I never even had a teaching on that. I didn't know Jesus did that at all. And I was 26 or 27 and I was just praying and the Lord took me back to things in my teen years that hurt. And he was like standing right beside me with his arm around me. I was with you. I was your best friend. And, and so after that, I started hearing people like you teach on it. I'm like, man, Jesus, he's so faithful. And I've heard so many stories, maybe not as many as you Doug, but I've heard so many stories of this happening. And I'm convinced that Joseph in the Bible when he was sold by his brothers and beaten by his brothers and and they wanted to kill him and they objectified him and they took his robe from him and they sold him off that 22 years later, he sees his brothers and he's like, Hey, hey, it wasn't you that sent me. It was God that sent me ahead of you. I'm convinced that in, in maybe in jail, God was with them. Maybe he had that, that memory changed where he saw Jesus in that memory from when he was 17. I don't know, but I just think that. Well, and some people, um, they, they view, some believers would view what we're talking about with disdain. And I would just say, well, how small is your God? Yeah. Like, is, is he not omnipresent? If, if so, he can do these sorts of things. And again, Jesus is just way better than we know. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we're just in the church, we're just scratching the, the, the early 5% of, of what he is capable of doing. Yeah, that's so well said. Yeah. It's like reframing the things that you've been in through in your life and, maybe not even reframe in the right word, but seeing it clearly for what it really happened, what really was occurring through that lens. And then you see how God was with you and for you and drawing you out of that into something so much better, even though the moment was painful. Um, And then the amazing thing too is, you know, those that walk in this in the sense of being able to invite the Holy Spirit into those moments to share these things, the power of being able to have witness in that, wow, it's it's amazing because people want hope. Like, that's the thing with all of this. The, the hope of these moments is so powerful because you know what? Everybody can understand what it means to go through something painful. Um, everybody understands that. Not everybody may have been raped or gone through something traumatic, but we understand pain. So these things are just so powerful. And then the other aspect of it too is when you're, <laughs> when you're able to have this deliverance, um, be able to turn around and help others through this as well too. I think it's so, so incredible in the sense that how God uses that. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things that just gives us such hope. So have you seen that Doug, like where people they've encountered Jesus in this and then those moments have so profoundly affected others as well. Um, maybe just share a little bit about that too. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been true in my own life too. I think, I think this is how Jesus meant it to be. Yeah. where we discover how great he is. And then our story, instead of it being so much a, a cognitively, theologically framed testimony, it, it becomes more accessible. And it's, Jesus has been so good to me. He can be so good to you. So it's immediately personalized. And then the theological truths and sharing faith can be there, but they're within a framework of personal experience and giving away what we have. You know, Peter, Peter and John, the gate called beautiful, the, the, the lame guy. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we have, we give you. What did they have? They possessed the very healing presence of Christ. Hmm. They didn't even have to ask Jesus to heal them. They were listening for his prompting. They o- obediently responded, and they gave away Jesus because they had him. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. It's much more accessible than we know, much more accessible. And, yeah, lots of stories of, of how 
churches who are are trafficking in these things. And what are these things? Discovering that Jesus is way way better than we knew, that uh, he's given us his ministry through us, and churches are seeing miracles through all kinds of people that are leading people to faith in Christ and becoming disciples of Jesus. Yeah, this is good stuff. Beautiful. Can you just give one last word of hope uh, or, or even maybe instruction in a sense? Uh, somebody out there struggling with pornography, sexual sin, infidelity, wondering, hey, do I have a demonic uh, element to this? What do they do? Um, hope and then, and then something they can do. Uh, the hope is this. Light shines brightest in darkness. So if anyone's listening and, you're, and it just seems like dark as hell in your life, you're in a good place to receive light. That's mm-hmm. why Jesus came. There's a, the, the Advent season is, is loaded with passages in Scripture about the light coming into the world. So you're a good advocate or a good uh, good person to receive light. doesn't matter how dark you are. That's why Jesus came. Second thing I would suggest is a little prayer of access. It goes like this. Jesus, I give you access to the roots of the darkness in my life. What that does is it makes these things less about behavior management and more about Jesus. I give you the permission to pop the hood and go deep down. So the person viewing porn, I mean, I know you guys know this. The issue is not primarily porn. It's often identity. I feel lonely. I don't feel worthy. And so it's a, it's a medicated fix for a deeper problem. Jesus I give you access to the the roots. And here's the thing. You may, whoever's listening, you may not know what the root is. You don't need to know. You don't need to know. But give him access to the roots. He knows where it is. That was my story. That was my story of renewal in my own life. I started giving Jesus access to the roots and turned out he knows stuff I don't. I don't and he's way better than I thought he was. That's cool. Wow. I love that. He's way better than I thought he was. And you know, that's the... The message I hope that everybody listening out there just really fully gets is he's so much better than you can imagine and he's good to you. And I know that whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're feeling, that that darkness maybe that even Doug was talking about, it feels really, really dark right now. Well, you are a candidate to receive such amazing hope and and, uh, encounter with Jesus through that because what Doug said is so true. And so I, I just leave that with you, those listening out there that there is hope for you. And as you're listening through this, you know, reach out, you know, grab Doug's book, um, learn more about this, start to move forward in some of these things, you know, take an action step in this. And I love that one, that prayer of access. That's so great. I mean, what a, what a good starting point too. We can, we begin with there and uh, see what God does in our lives. And that's so powerful. And, um, you know, this is something that as we're in that Advent season, I love the, the connection you made there, Doug light came into the world and that can be for you as well too. Light's coming into your world in such a powerful way. And that's your invitation that, uh, that God gives you before we let you go, let us know where we can find you, where we can get your book and and any other uh, resources that you have that would be helpful to people. Well, the first book, the empowerment pivot, um, it's not a biography, autobiography, but it it contains a lot of my stories of transformation. And so there's that book and the one that got uh, released here just now, um, Light Up the Dark, Restoring Healing, Deliverance to Disciple Making. They can both be found on Amazon. Uh, so that's where you would that's where you would find them or chapters online, anywhere you can find books online. 
I don't think you'll find them at the airport. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, two places, you know, uh, you can track with me. Um, it's like Stole Care Events, Holy Spirit Encounter Events at DougBalzer.com. And the organization, the team that I serve with at Rekindle.tv. There's a uh, um, podcast, tools, um, blogs written on spiritual renewal, disciple making, and mission. So DougBalzer.com and Rekindle.tv. Thanks. We highly recommend that. Doug, thanks so much. This has been so good. Great to be with you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.